0: listening to into the valley of phoenix suns podcast a part of the Brightside podcast network welcome everybody into the valley i am ethan shutt joined as always by philip russell and we do have a special guest joining us later but we are here to talk all things phoenix suns and we know what you're thinking let's go ahead and talk about the good stuff we will Let's talk about that win over the Pistons a couple nights ago, Philip. I assume that's why we're having this random evening podcast, correct?
1: I'm down to talk about it. But the problem is I just told, I actually just told my wife, she was like, what are you guys going to talk about? I was like, well, we kind of have to talk about the trades because everybody who played really well the last couple games, they don't play for the Suns anymore. So uh, we could talk about the games, but I think you- that's going to make us uh, get in our feelings a little bit
0: let's let's you're absolutely right did you when talking to your wife about what happened where is she at in terms of general basketball team construction knowledge how trades work how free agents work because i had a fun situation of my own
1: so my better half knows enough about the nba to know the star players because when we hang out, we talk about the Suns enough. She knows sorry, the Suns so, players. She knows, she knows Mikhail. She knows Cam. She knows DA. She knows CP. Booker, of course. And then she knows Kevin Durant pretty well. Because we watched a lot of Warriors basketball. When we were engaged. A little bit when we were dating. But when we were engaged. And then when we got married. We watched a lot. Actually, our wedding night. Our wedding night. we wound up watching one of the 2016 nba finals games i don't know which one it was i think it was one of them that the warriors lost i think so it was june 10th 2016 fans you can google that but I we google, watched I the google game that. that night you said june 10th 2016 whatever game it was and again i think the Cavs won i think that was part of the comeback June 20th, 2016.
0: No, June 10th. Oh, June 10th, 20th. I was like, that, for sure it was over by then. I have my own funny memory of that game because I wasn't at your wedding. I was yeah, on, a, on cru- a cruise. I was on a cruise and said, very sorry. Uh, June 10th, 2016, Warriors win game four to go up three ah, to one. Uh, there you what go. What I remember is I watched The Block with a bunch of strangers on <laughs> a boat. And the place lost their collective mind. And I would say it was 90% Warriors fans, 10% Cavs fans. And I was there cheering for LeBron, who I guess we also should mention as we continue to uh, move towards the the trade discussions here. What what was your uh, emotional reaction to the LeBron situation, watching him break the record? Suns fans? I'm going to give a B plus to general reaction. I thought Suns fans as a whole on Twitter appreciated it enjoyed it, took in the moment, and then those who I would give a D minus to were those complaining about the stoppage in the third quarter game that they were only watching because the event took place that the game stopped for
1: so I'm born and raised a bulls fan, which has caused some consternation on this very podcast network in the past, so a lot of people like even at work will come up to me because I wear bull stuff to. To work, they'll come up to me and they'll ask about the Jordan LeBron debate. And here's where I've come down. And this gets back to LeBron breaking the record. I think LeBron James is the best player to have ever picked up a basketball. Here's what I mean by that. And here's why I'm using the word best scoring, passing, defending, an evolution of his career. Consistency throughout his career. I don't think anybody has done it better than him. Statistically speaking, he is unquestionably going to have the best NBA career whenever he retires. It will be unimpeachable. That, however, there doesn't is. necessarily mean that he's the greatest. Like when I think of greatest, I'm thinking of. It factored those intangible stuff that's not going to show up on a stat sheet necessarily. And when it comes to greatest, LeBron has done stuff that I don't think anybody has ever done on the basketball court. I think his performance in 2016, which we were just talking about, is yes. one of the most impressive so things good. anybody has ever done, along with um, – I can't remember that other guy's name who played for the Caps then too. <laughs> but – but <laughs> – Bill Russell and then especially Michael Jordan, since it's more recently, like they were great in terms of winning, in terms of the aura that surrounded them and that still surrounds them. So I think that's just like an interesting way to kind of make the distinction in my mind between who's the best player to have ever done it, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're great. I think a good example of this is actually Kobe Bryant. I think Kobe is greater than he is better. At basketball. I think he had a greatness factor to him, but he's not top five in terms of best players to have ever picked up a basketball, but he's one of the greatest to have ever done it when it comes to that, that factor. So all that to say, what an absolute joy to see LeBron James awesome. incredible career, not even culminate, but seemingly culminate in becoming the all time leading score. It was really cool. And it was cool to see the pictures of Bronny and Bryce at different games as they were little kids. They were elementary kids as they are young men right now. Really great moment. I'm a, I like LeBron and I have thoroughly enjoyed watching his career all the way back in, I guess, 2003 and maybe before 2003, watching his high school games on ESPN, reading the chosen one article from Sports Illustrated, and then everything that has unfolded since them. So, as the uh, as the kids say, he deserved all the flowers that he got that night. And as our uh, our guy Kevin O'Connor says, don't take it for granted. Like it has been a delight, and maybe the delight of our sports lives to have witnessed LeBron James.
0: Yeah, uh, I was trying to think of other athletes in other sports where I will get to tell my kids, grandkids, yeah. whatever, like. I watched them play their entire career. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady popped in my head. I was a little too young to be a part of the beginning of that story. LeBron, on the other hand, I remember the magazine cover. That's one where I remember watching from his rookie year all the way to this. Not end yet. There's something more to come, I think. Um, Suns fans already making connections that are going to somehow get him to Phoenix uh hop on the coattails of a certain Kevin Durant for for a ring. But uh I think he's got a lot more good basketball left, especially if he is in a situation where he can take off nights against the Bucks, if you will, uh and kind of continue to take such great care of his body. But yeah, Brady popped in my head. Baseball, I couldn't think of one. Hockey. You know, what what's happening between like Crosby and Ovechkin is a fun race, but neither of them are remotely in the conversation of Mm -hmm a Gretzky, right? Like I was, I was struggling and I thought maybe folks a little older than us who saw tiger woods from Mm. the beginning through the end might have the similar feeling, but I agree. I think that that connection to being able to watch it from the beginning and seeing where it is going and how he's doing it while still having a successful season, right? He didn't, LeBron didn't limp his way towards this record. He is still, Showing out nightly like he is an all n b a player in season is it twenty is that right something crazy like that all n b a player in season twenty it's It's remarkable how that has been done. I had a wonderful time watching that game genuinely highlight of my week before actually I still think it might be because so many mixed emotions last night at midnight and one a m <laughs> but the lebron was was nothing but good and it sent me down a fun rabbit hole watching some wonderful YouTube compilations. YouTube has so many full game highlights of like 2016, Game 7, NBA Finals, Miami Heat, Game 6 against the Spurs. The entirety of both of those games are actually on YouTube from the NBA account. It's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun looking back and remembering the athleticism, what he had, I, I don't know. It was a lot of fun for me. And I know a lot of people are uh, LeBron's very polarizing. A lot of folks hate him. I understand that. But at the end of the day, hopefully you can you can watch what's there and realize how great it is. Right. Um. Anyway, let's quickly talk about the games leading up to last night, because the meat of this podcast is not going to be. Those games, but I think we can use those games as a uh, in memory of, if you will, mm-hmm. um, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, two phenomenal people and players from all accounts and from everything we've heard. We're looking at their last games as sons in recapping this week, which is something that I legitimately could not have imagined when we recorded our last episode. There was... I had there was no way for me to think I was watching the last games these guys were going to play for my favorite team, and it sucks. I did not want to rewatch the games. I did not rewatch the games today. I just am glad that I was able to watch them, and I'm 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 very bummed. So let's let's talk about the good. We'll start with a guy who's still on the team, DeAndre Ayton had. Two phenomenal performances, uh, as if he was playing for his job or something like that. Uh, in hindsight, he was an absolute machine. But I want to I want to turn it over to you. What what stuck out in these last couple games? And for those who are joining live, yes, we are aware the Suns just played the Hawks. Those that are listening next day, I I don't know if I've ever watched a Suns game that felt like it mattered so little. So we're not going to really talk about the Hawks game in its entirety, just because I don't think there's too much you can take from it. I know there will be some Josh Okoge fan who is just fuming hearing those words. Uh, But let's again, let's look at what the Suns were doing when they were the complete team that they were a few days ago. What stood out to you most in in the games
1: earlier this week? The Suns were back. I know (laughs) they were back back. They looked so good. The, the value, the impressiveness of this team was how well structured the system was to fit the players who were meant to be the starters. And man, against Detroit, you had Cam going seven for nine, Torrey going five of eight, DA going 13 of 15, Mikhail going nine of 15. CP had an awful shooting night, but it didn't, didn't it didn't matter because everybody else was just that good. And yeah, it's tough. It's up. But let's talk about DA a little bit.
0: Isn't that isn't that crazy though? We waited months for this week. Yeah. Months we've yeah. talked through the nonsense of the should we tank? Through the nonsense of let's throw out whoever in any trait. Like they looked to me like last year's team, but better Mm -hmm. because Cam Johnson had taken the Jay Crowder role and was being able to expand the offense. And I just remember a few nights ago and being like, Oh crap. Like maybe, maybe this is worth getting a little excited
1: because they looked good, but yeah, go, go ahead and talk to you for me. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was back to 2021. It was back to the finals run where everything just seemed like it was clicking and everything seemed like it was right when Cam and Mikhail and DA were clicking like that. And CP was still CP was still doing a great job facilitating the offense. DA's activity was just better against Detroit and against Brooklyn. They there was an energy about him on both ends of the court that I think he lacks at times. And that's part of the part of the reason why so many fans get frustrated with him. And then there were there were the small things, like in the second quarter against Detroit, he tried to dunk. He got fouled, but he tried to dunk. I think he probably has more dunks per game the last three games than he has the rest of the season. But then D.A. was also playing really well off of the other key players. There was a great, a great set back-to-back with, I can't remember if it was Booker or if it was C.P., But they were running a double high screen where Cam and DA set ball screens. The first set, DA got an alley-oop because they went went with Cam for the three-pointer. And then the second set, DA drew a lot of attention, kick out to Cam. They scrambled. Cam was able to score off of the closeout. That kind of stuff where DA is he's more active, the energy's there defensively, he's much better. Defensively, he's closing out, he's contesting. He had a couple good possessions against Cam Thomas. When you pair that, when you pair that with what was happening on the offensive end with the other players, we can call them the role players mm-hmm. for the Suns, you were you were starting to think like, okay, maybe, maybe there is a higher ceiling than we than we'd remembered. Because at the end of the day, especially against Detroit, you were still waiting for Torrey Craig, as good as he was playing to be subbed out for an all NBA level player. So it felt like this week, and I think this is part of what makes the trade tough to swallow is that it felt like there was, there was this mounting momentum that could have led to something really special post all-star break. And now we're thinking the suns can still be really good mm-hmm. post all star break, but it's going to be fundamentally different because it's going to feel different with the talent level that they're that they're bringing in
0: well, and that that too, that momentum was building into the Brooklyn game where Booker yeah. was finally coming back, coming yeah. off his longest stretch without playing in his entire career, and it felt like in Detroit you saw oh my goodness, the pieces are fitting together where they should be, and there is one star-shaped hole that is getting filled this week. And you've got Devin Booker coming back with the rest of the team, not just healthy, but finding their footing within the role that they're supposed to be in, right? We've talked to Tory Craig. We know what Tory can do, will do. We weren't putting him in the role he needed to be. And so you're starting to see this thing take shape. And to be honest, it was, it was a nerve-wracking week even leading into the actual trade because going in, I think, to the Nets game was the Chris Paul could be getting offered up, right? That's when you start hearing the Chris Paul rumors and you start asking, what, what's, what's going on? And so Booker's back, we beat the Nets. We think we're moving on to this, this beautiful future. And then Woj, Shams, whoever, I don't know who broke it. But you get you get the tweet you've all been waiting for at midnight. Jakob Purtle <laughs> traded to the Raptors. Legitimately, I was in bed about to fall asleep. I have Woj Alerts on because I'm an idiot. And I turned and looked and I said, okay, trades are starting. Wonderful. I put my phone back down. I was eight percent asleep. Kind of still in it. And I see my phone light up and I'm like, ah, oh, usually Woe sends that second one, I'm like Pertle returning to the team that developed him after I'm like, oh, whatever. Then it happens again. And I was like, well, this is interesting. And then it happens another time. And I was like, fine, you, you got me, Woes. Let me check my phone. And I open it up and I see Phoenix Suns. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. And at this point, it's what, almost 1 a.m., I think it was when you texted, yeah. 1 a.m. and we get the tweet that the Phoenix Suns are trading for Kevin Durant. I would like to share my own personal story first on how I felt about it. I thought that when this moment happened, I would just be overwhelmed with joy and happiness and that I'd be running around losing my mind. Oddly enough, that is very similar to how I reacted to the Chris Paul trade. I loved the Chris Paul trade and I acted accordingly. When you think about the players that got sent out in that trade, I'm not as heartbroken over what was it, Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre, insert others, like I liked Rubio a lot, but I was like that's Chris Paul, of course. When I saw that it was Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges. This is going to make it sound like I care too much. And that's just fine. I felt just sad. Like bummed. And as crazy as it is, and this is probably going to, this Suns people, depending on your age, will react strongly to this. It gave me some very strong vibes of Steve Nash leaving. Because when I became a Suns fan, I had never liked a, a player on one of my favorite teams. Like I had liked Steve Nash. And so when Steve Nash left, I just felt horrible. Like I was sad because this thing that I enjoyed so much was leaving. And in that situation, there wasn't a return, right? There wasn't some like, well, here's your silver lining. And I think it goes back to something I said earlier. Mentally, I had not prepared for Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges to leave. Did like I know we we talked in depth last week on trade deadlines, talking through all these all these pretend trades and this, that, and the other. And I feel like every every one of those, the two of us both were like, yeah, I don't I don't want to put Cam Johnson in there. Like even if it is Mikhail going, like you don't want to take them both. How were you feeling when when you woke up this morning? to a barrage of texts from me. Sorry about it. Uh, And you saw the news because I want to get your take as what I would call a newer generation Suns fan. Yeah. Not one of those people who are like, I would cut off my leg for a ring because I've sacrificed my life to this thing. (laughs) You're someone who I would absolutely say a real Suns fan knows the game, knows the player, knows the team, but doesn't have all this baggage. How was it for you when you saw the news?
1: I was bummed. I really like watching Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson play basketball. So my first, my first reaction was, I'm bummed. I love those guys. I think they are a great duo. Vibes is, vibes is the wrong word for this. And I know vibes gets kind of thrown around. What they, what they brought was a real sense of community mm-hmm. to the team. And I think they brought a sense of community to the Valley as well, which we don't, we're not, we're literally across the country from that, but from everything we say, but we could tell from here in Kentucky yeah. that there was a special connection there. Yeah. So I think that's, that's tough when there's a team you care about that loses that. But then my mind went to the Nets are really smart in getting those two guys. They back in the late 20 teens, they had the the team that went to the playoffs with Kenny Atkinson at the helm, and it was there was no real superstar. They were mm-hmm. just good. They were a good group of players, had a good team, bought into a system, and they overachieved. What two guys would you hand pick to come in and create that kind of community in your team over Mikhail and Cam? Like that was a great, great trade for the Nets, assuming KD was going to go. Like mm-hmm. if you're having to get rid of a guy like KD, I think they did a great job getting two guys who play the wing, which I know they're not, they're not lacking on wings right now. But I thought it was a really smart move. And then They kind of crippled the Suns a little bit by also getting Jay Crowder in the deal, which meant instead of doing McHale, Cam, and then additional salary filler, they get Jay Crowder with the intention of sending him back out and maximizing the assets. So they're getting the assets from the Suns in the form of the picks. And then, and then they're getting more assets from Jay Crowder when they turn him around. And five Five second rounds, I think it was. And for eventually, yeah. Yeah. So they're just maximizing what they're getting from from the deal. So I thought that was really smart. So I was bummed about Cam and McHale. And then I was really impressed with what the Suns did. And then eventually, at some point throughout throughout the day, my mind started going to, okay, what can this team look like? What can this team look like with Kevin Durant? Which I don't know if you're ready if you're ready to get there, but I, was, that I was wanted a to make big, no one a big pivot.
0: Before before we go to the, in my opinion, the happy optimistic side of this, yeah. the one last piece of news that really gut punched me was I think it was TNT tonight yeah. at the game, interviewing Mikhail, panning over to Cam, also sitting there watching his new team, and finding out that Cam found out from his brother, who saw it on Twitter, and McHale found out via a Damian Lee FaceTime, which is just wonderful, in my opinion. Like, I think there's a lot worse ways to find out. Damian was basically calling, in essence, to console and kind of offer support during an obviously hard time. He was almost apologetic in the I hate that this is happening type of thing. And McHale just seemed crushed talking about it. And that is a big smiley man who just looked bummed. And it, this goes back to just being a Suns fan. I went a long time with teams full of players who actively did not want to be a part of the Suns and what was happening. And the fact that they've got this. This group, this young group, they've drafted and developed, who very much would not want to leave. that's tough. I'm glad that they're at least together. That was my first bit of of just like well, at least at least they get to stick together if they're not getting separated, and I would have hated if Mikhail got sent to the Grizzlies or some nonsense like that. I would have lost my mind, so at least they're together with the nets, they're
1: staying with the nets, but man, that's. That's just tough. And I think, I think it just exemplifies how good Mikhail and Cam are, not just on the basketball court, but also for the organization as a whole. And I'm hopeful that they can take that with them to, yep. to Brooklyn. Dwayne Rankin just tweeted out about a minute ago. He's interviewing DA postgame. And DA said, I did a lot of crying already. Once I know my guys, the twins
2: are good, I'll be back to business. Oh. So
1: these oh, are that's and this is sucks. this is where I think a lot of Suns fans probably are sitting right now. Everyone knows how good Kevin Durant is. Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson understand that Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant is better at basketball than both of them. And there is there is nobody, there are only a few people on the planet who should be insulted if you say Kevin Durant is better than you at basketball so one part of their brain one part of Suns fans brains is going yes i fully understand that kevin durant is that guy he's walk as soon as he puts on a phoenix suns jersey he is best player without question country. without question the best player on the team no doubt i think he's best, the him. best best son's player in history legitimate yeah. i mean yeah
0: not shade at Barclay or Nash, but that is legitimately this dude is walking in who is unanimously
1: voted, in my opinion, yeah. better than the MVPs that your organization has had. So that's happening in one part of your brain. But at the same time, you're recognizing that the Suns did also unquestionably just lose something really special in McCale and Cam. And that's something that has a new a newer Suns fan, and as someone who's been following the team really closely for now, two and a half, three seasons, there there are very few teams and maybe no other teams in the league who have someone like McHale. And then I don't think there's any team who have someone like McHale and then add on top of that someone who fits so well with him like a Cam Johnson. So I think it's okay to be bummed. And there is Kellen Olson just did a great oh, job with the great. article that he wrote. He said that the Suns, in a sense, lost their heart and soul. And he's not sure that that void is going to be filled. Because who's going to fill, who can fill the Mikhail Bridges role on a team? No. What you're looking for instead is, instead of having this, this community this great sense of camaraderie amongst the team. Now you're looking at being the villains and now you're looking at just stomping some people with the the sheer amount of talent that you have on the roster. The way that I was explaining it to someone earlier, it was like,
0: obviously talent different tier. It was like we were cheering for a team that was kind of like the original championship warriors this yeah. fun group who had yeah. bonded and had just done something new and they'd all come up together and Draymond Clay and Steph were just smiling and laughing and doing their thing and then similarly now were the warriors with Kevin Durant yep where you're like i don't know how the vibe changes i don't know how the locker room shifts what i can tell you is they're a better basketball team What I can tell you is that the talent increase is substantial, but I don't quite know how that's going to feel. And I've talked to Warriors fans who equally felt weird about the Kevin Durant years because they even said it was like, it was a different vibe watching that team progress through the playoffs, get to the finals and do what they did. It felt different. It didn't feel like it was their thing anymore. It was some new big power. I don't know. It was just different. And so we're at the 30-minute mark. I, If you guys are listening, either watching live, we appreciate you, or listening on audio, if you came here expecting a, they're going to just scream and clap and cry because Kevin Durant's here and we're all happy, I'm sorry we have let you down. I I get it, and I know there are podcasts that have done that. And they're wonderful. And I, I've listened to those because it was good to be happy. That said, we have always covered every single aspect of the Phoenix Suns. And an aspect of this trade is what is leaving and walking out the door. And I think it would be a disservice to just skip past that and move on. So with that said, we love Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson. I think all, all of us will continue to cheer for them wherever they go in parentheses unless they weirdly become villains on like the grizzlies or pelicans or something but i'll still love them at my heart i just don't know if i can cheer for them Uh, i also learned on twitter that apparently i thought everyone would would be sad about cam and mikhail at more similar levels because i think that's how i feel as someone who loves cam johnson a whole whole lot definitely skewed more mikhail which surprised me a little bit but i think it makes sense big picture. and then Jay Crowder. Two seconds cool. of two seconds of silence for Jay Crowder. Moving on. All right, Jay Crowder's gone. That part we can be excited about. Let's talk Kevin Durant, uh, and we've got someone who's going to be joining us in just about two minutes to talk a little bit more about their opinion on the Kevin Durant Suns. But Philip, you've watched Kevin Durant. I know more than I have. You followed the Warriors teams at a level that I did not, mainly because I was typically cheering against them. I hate watching them when I wanted to watch Good Hoops, but you've been watching a whole lot of KD over the last few years. How are you feeling about the Suns right now with the addition of Kevin Durant? Whether you want to say how they stack up best roster in the West, in the league, what, what were maybe your initial thoughts when you just started dreaming of a Kevin Durant, Phoenix Suns.
1: I thought the Nets were still contenders after the Kyrie deal. I did too. That's That's how highly I think of Kevin Durant. Uh, And then when you, when you pair that level of talent with just Booker and Aiton, I mean, (laughs) that is disgusting. A disgusting amount of offensive talent. When you pair that then with Chris Paul, who could then initiate in a pick and roll, cause a mismatch, and then get teams thinking, am I going to help off of Kevin Durant or Devin Booker? Am I going to allow DA, as we've seen the last two games, especially against um, Brooklyn and Detroit, they were switching a lot. He pulverized switches. He has that ability. You, The Suns are going to be able to put teams into a helpless, position when the Suns have the basketball, the starting five, whoever the five, the fourth person, fourth or third person, wherever they might slide in winds up being, I don't think it's going to matter. I think teams are going to have a hard, hard time guarding this. But then what I think is even more exciting for me as someone who I told Ryan and Ethan the other day. I care about the Suns. I want the Suns to win. I want the Suns to win a championship. But like, sorry, Suns fans. I didn't lose any sleep the nights the Suns got waxed by the Mavericks. I didn't lose any sleep. <laughs> me, me me too. You were laughing because you were so. I was hysterical. Yeah, I yeah, was hysterical. That I didn't not, lose any sleep when the Suns lost the championship. I liked them. I watched the games. We podcasted a whole lot during those playoffs. Good but time, I, don't lose, I don't lose sleep over this stuff. Part of what I've enjoyed most about following the Suns the last three years is that they play a beautiful brand of basketball. Kevin Durant showed when he went to the Golden State Warriors that he is, at least for some amount of time, especially when he gets to an organization, he is willing to play a beautiful brand of basketball. Kevin Durant can probe Mismatches in pick and roll, which we know the Suns do. He can play off ball. He can read other people's reads, and he can attack. He can find open space. He is deadly from the mid range. Think about mikhail and the elbow set, where Mikael comes across the elbow on a. But now picture, but now it's it's Kevin Durant getting a pass from Devin Booker or Chris Paul, and that play. What that play can also do is then quickly pitch back to the guard into another pick and roll into Kevin Durant spacing out for a three while the defense is trying to scramble to get that in, I think the Suns will still, I think it'll eventually look like a really good, beautiful style of basketball. I do not think this is going to be Booker takes a turn, Durant Mm -hmm. takes a turn. If that does happen, I'm going to have trouble (laughs) keeping up my enjoyment, but I think offensively it's going to be really good.
0: I yeah, I don't I don't think that's going to be the case. And I, I think back to even like the Draymond KD interview, if you remember that, when they kind of talked through their departure, what went into it, what got them together. Kevin Durant seems to have an interesting mentality about himself that wants to be a part of beautiful basketball. He said it's what drew him to the Warriors. I can't explain what happened in the time since I think maybe being created to be such a large villain played a role similar to maybe why LeBron made the moves he did following the decision in his years in Miami. But KD wants to play basketball, and I think he wants to play it the right way. And I don't know if that sounds cheesy, but he can legitimately do everything offensively and defensively. There is not something that you're going to to write down is like, this is what we're going to do to attack Kevin Durant. Right. It would shock me if he played a your turn, my turn style. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. And I think part of it is he's so good off the ball as well as with the ball in his hands. Like just think back to his success with the warriors when he was on another level, right? He wasn't, sitting in the corner waiting to shoot a 3 nor was he okay I'm going to kind of initiate the offense he just fit into that system and executed it perfectly it would it would shock me i think for that to happen and i also think a big part of this is his desire to be here i think that allows me to immediately take a pretty optimistic approach towards the future and what that looks like because he wanted to be here he's wanted to be here he wants to play with Chris. He wants to play with Devin. And I think DeAndre Ayton is the biggest beneficiary in this whole ordeal. DeAndre Ayton has had so much attention and so many eyes on him. And I mean, that the the kid's gonna feast down there. Like, think about all the attention. We use the word gravity all the time, Philip, probably to a memeable state. The gravity that is created by Booker when he's on. Aiton when he's on where on earth will the defense go so want to bring in a guest first time guest to the podcast and someone who has been doing some phenomenal writing on bright side uh our man steven at stay true s.3 who's got the jerseys behind him philip i know <laughs> you appreciate one of those even just a little bit more even though it is the uh carolina blue and not the chicago black and red (laughs) steven how are you doing
2: man 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 blessings and abundance to you guys i'm doing great how about yourselves
0: we're doing good. How was that article writing about one of the most boring games of the
2: season against the Hawks? Man, listen, it's as much of a skill as it is to write about the fascinating stuff is even more of a skill to be able to make something out of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, that's what, that's what those reps were for sure. <laughs>
0: well, Steven, if you guys don't follow him on Twitter has been putting out phenomenal content for this season. He, in, in my opinion, to to reference you to our very first guest on the podcast, has been filling a hole in my heart that was left by our buddy David at the four-point play, who was my go-to for video breakdowns, offensive set breakdowns, and stuff like that. So if you've not followed Stephen, make sure to check him out. But Stephen, we've, we've been running our mouths here. What was your initial reaction when you saw the KD trade? And then I really want to hear what you think the offense is going to look like
2: with this guy coming in. So my initial reaction was, um, it was awkward at first because I was falling asleep at that point because <laughs> it was it was like midnight or a little after midnight, uh, central time when it happened. So I was kind of dozing off, and then I got the notification. And I was like, no way! And I went from zero to a hundred <laughs> like instantly. I was like, nah, no way, no way! And then uh, of course I got to refresh in the timeline like everybody else, and then once it confirmed and it was kind of selling in. Uh, it was just pure excitement you know Uh, of course it was I was initially I was trying to figure out who was leaving because of Mm -hmm. course you only get the big name that's involved who's being added to the Suns? and then we found out it was Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson the twins and of course that's a like it was tough to kind of grasp not seeing those two on the court with this team anymore but you know you got to pay a price to make an acquisition the likes of Kevin Durant. So, um, and just kind of looking at the offense, kind of at the surface level without diving too far into it. uh, My initial thoughts were, how in the world do you guard this team? The one shot that is most prolific continuously in the postseason is the mid-range shot. And the Suns have compiled three of, what, the seven? Uh, depending on how you want to rank it, the three of the seven or six best mid-range shooters in the NBA. So that makes them almost scheme-proof in terms of taking advantage of the things that are conceded, uh, looking at what defense is doing at half court on the playoff stage. So that's where my mind went automatically when thinking about KD getting added to the team and what the offense would look like Uh, just at the surface level.
0: So I already threw out, I think the person that will benefit the most, my gut initially was Booker because for the first time, He's not going to probably have the best defender on him. He's not going to be able to get doubled like many teams have. But I just keep thinking that DeAndre Ayton is going to benefit so much, not just because of what's going on on the court, but I also think the mental side of it. The attention that the Suns world has put on Ayton and the pressure. I mean, it's like the only other player I could say is like, if like LeBron showed up, you immediately are like one of LeBron's teammates, right? And DeAndre Ayton is now, Go out there. You've got your role. You have the best passers to get you the ball because that's the other thing. Kevin Durant, hard to find a fault. Passing is not one of them. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton should have it easy. Philip, do you think? Do you think this makes DeAndre's outlook easier? Do you think Booker's life's easier? Do you think Chris now can go zero for seven and people won't even blink? Like, what? What is this going to look
1: like? Because it just, it just shifts so much offensively it should be easier i think the the challenge is going to be with da's mindset because you would imagine with the guy like kevin durant coming in his touches will probably go down mm. because as good as da has been the last couple games he's going to be at best third the third best option for the Suns when again whoever their starting five is whenever whenever they're out on the court it's going to be kevin durant Devin Booker and then DeAndre Ayton, which is a big shift from where from where the team has been the majority of this year. DA seems to be a guy who could be okay with that. I hope I hope that he shows that he can have the energy and he can have the motor to keep setting the screens, getting back to setting good screens, to creating the gravity that we just talked about with his with his rim runs. And then and then when KD and Booker are fully healthy, I still want them to get DA the ball in the mid-range so that he can keep opposing Biggs honest with his 15 to 18-foot jump shot because if he's, if he's hitting that shot consistently, that means that the lane is going to be that much more open for Booker and KD getting downhill. And when you talk about an unstoppable offense, When a defense is worried about your center knocking down a mid-range jumper so then they can't commit as much attention to a Kevin Durant going downhill, it's nasty.
0: See, I saw, funny enough, that popped out to me during my LeBron rewatches this week, watching the Heat Spurs. Chris Bosh was constantly flashing up to that free throw line, and all it did was create all the space in the world that you would ever need either for little back end cuts or little screen downs and pin like everything underneath was just empty because Chris boss had that gravity. Tim Duncan destroyed on the boards, that series by the way, because that one little piece wasn't there, but offensively Chris Bosh could facilitate, could initiate and LeBron feasted because poor 22 year old Kawhi Leonard, right? Not built for that. And so I, I think you're right. I think the system has to stay the same. Because you now just have pieces that can do it even better. Like, I think Monty's got to be, obviously, of, of any coach, you know he's got to have such a good connection with those two that are leaving. Yeah. But my goodness, that guy's got to
1: be pretty excited to see what his offense looks like now that it has a whole new ceiling. And I think even this week, the last three games, we saw the Suns running a high low. It was especially with the two bigs against Brooklyn. It was like classic kind of like high school stuff where one of the bigs would get the ball at the elbow or maybe a little bit further out from the basket. While the other big, a lot of times it was DA and Jock or Dario and Jock. The other big was sealing on the opposite block. Man, would you change that to Kevin Durant has the ball there at the elbow, and then Da's the one who's sealing off a smaller defender down at the opposite block. That. That is, again, an unstoppable play because the defense has to make a decision. And that's one of the good parts about a guy like Kevin Durant coming in. I don't think the the system will change because Kevin Durant's the kind of player who you should change your system for to get him the kind of looks he's wanting. But a lot of the sets the Suns run, they're going to be able to say, here's where KD is plugging in. And as much as we love the twins, it's just going to be an upgrade from the twins or as much we haven't even talked about Dario as much as we love a guy like Mm. Dario. And I think Dario has been great the last week and a half. It is, I mean, compared to Dario, like it is (laughs) the upgrade of upgrades over that guy. (laughs) And uh, let me hit him with the Mark Jackson with all due respect, (laughs) with all due respect to Dario.
2: And Philip, I think you you kind of nailed on a, a microcosm of adding Kevin Durant because he takes the system and he doesn't necessarily upend it. He just adds to it with yeah. all types of all-time abundances, uh, whether that be the self-creation, the catch and shoot ability, the gravity he has, just standing on the court, <laughs> regardless of what location on the floor he's at. Um, and just all of those little things just being added to the to the blend of one of the already best half-court attacks in the NBA when they're healthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just just takes everything, and it just adds like a plus 20, a plus 50 (laughs) multiplier to it. Because Aiden, now Aiden looks a lot better than he might actually be just because Kevin Durant's there. Chris Paul is an all-time great point guard, one of the best playmakers. He's going to look even better than he typically does. Devin Booker is a top-ten player in the NBA. Now he's going to look even a little bit better. Than he has, and then KD is going to look a little bit even better than he has because he has more, more just general talent around him than he has mm-hmm. with the uh, with the Nets in this season specifically. Yeah. Uh, and and then I think the other thing, especially when Philip was hinting at the high lows, uh, another thing that people kind of forget with KD just because he's such a great talent and he's like a polarizing figure is that he's like legitimately like 7 1. <laughs> so so not only so not only have the Suns added one of the best shot creators and best scorers pure scorers in NBA history but they've added another seven footer that's going to be in the main rotation that's going to be one of the most key cogs to what makes this team go to wherever they end up finishing this season and uh for seasons to come. So one of the issues that the Suns have had is filling in that range from 6-7 seven to 7 footers in terms of forwards to big man. Now you have one of the best in the NBA at that range and height, as well as adding athleticism and, um, like, general size, like wingspan, to just the entire attack of the team, which is going to obviously help on the glass, and it's also going to help defensively, Um, just looking at what Kevin Durant does, which is also another very underrated dynamic of his game. Like, everybody's talking about his offensive numbers because they're so polarizing, but he's also having arguably his best defensive season this year, too, which is going to help a ton.
1: Yeah, and Rob Mahoney at The Ringer has has an article that covers some of what we're talking about right now. But I love I love the title of it, and then the explanation in the article. The title is "Kevin Durant blows the ceiling off the Suns system," mm-hmm. and he goes on to say, "It's not that it's not that the system itself has to change; it's that the ceiling is so much higher than it than it has ever it's ever been." And I think defensively. That might even be the case now, See, as yeah. well, because mm-hmm. his his athleticism his athleticism means he can guard a good number of wings.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He can play a small ball five if Da's getting played off the court, but Da re- when when is locked in, he's rarely getting played off the court. So mm-hmm. then, when you're thinking like, okay, what happens when Chris Paul is out? Think about the switchability that the Suns are going to have in in the playoffs when you have Kevin Durant playing as potentially your biggest your biggest player. Like the defense can be stacked this year. Because something I've noticed over the last couple of weeks is it seems like the Suns were giving Tory Craig a little bit more opportunity to guard primary ball handlers. Mm-hmm. And if you go, Torrey Craig's out there, Devin Booker, an improved defender, DA. KD, and again, throw in a fit, even guys like Damian Lee can play well and they can play hard-nosed defense, the Suns defensively are going to be a force to be reckoned with mm-hmm. when they're locked in.
0: Yeah, that was that was the one thing I think that was kind of interesting that didn't get brought up, and I understand it. It's not as flashy or as exciting, but I immediately was thinking on the defensive end, like Kevin Durant's no joke. Like, you've already hit on Like, the length, the height, the strength, like he looks... He looks good this year, and I and I don't know what – let me put on my tinfoil here. I think the injury was very convenient, if you will. I think someone does not rush back from recovery if they're not excited to go back to the home that they're living in. I think you're going to get a very good, healthy-looking Kevin Durant. And defensively, like my goodness, can you imagine – if you, you get past Ayton or you get eight in a pick and roll and the help side defender coming in is a seven one Kevin Durant <laughs> with a nine foot wingspan or whatever nonsense he's working with. Like that is so much. And you hit on it too, man. Like he he can guard whatever you need him to guard. Like there it's getting really hard for me to find a weakness on either side with the potential rotations we're getting. And Philip, you touched last playoff. Chris Paul was the weakness. Chris Paul was getting targeted. You couldn't afford at times to take him off because of the offensive ability. You are now having Kevin Durant come into this rotation. and You say we can take Chris Paul off the court without the offensive motor slowing down. And again, you mentioned it. You can go with a Damian Lee if you want the surefire shooter who can do their job defensively. You can go with a Josh Akogi if you want to hound the crap out of somebody not my preferred, but <laughs> in a late mid second quarter, early third, like maybe I don't want to closing a game. Sorry, a Kogi stands out there. But still, when you have four dudes around him that we've literally been talking about as the entire system, while we just pretend an imaginary fifth guy is over in the corner somewhere like that is a luxury to say our offensive ceiling is so high, we can sacrifice a little bit for that. Tori Craig, the guy we really don't want shooting the big shots, but will destroy the offensive glass. Do everything you need him to. Knows the system, whatever. But man, it's just how do you how do you guard this team, right? Like that's that's my question. How how do you do it? Because even think we we talk so much. One of the skill sets of a Jay Crowder or a McHale was this is the guy we can throw out there to guard for forty plus minutes against the other team's best player. Who who's got enough players to do that to the Suns right now? Genuinely, there Maybe is
2: there is no answer for that. <laughs> right?
0: Like, do you throw your big, strong—I mean, the Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder of your team against Kevin Durant, and then who you who you got on book? Right? And if you're taking your big, strong guy, especially come playoff time when centers get played off the court, what are you doing if Yonder Aiden's still out there? Like it, it just seems that if, if they don't mess this thing up, they are going to have an offense that can do things at a level that we have never seen in Phoenix Suns basketball. And I, and I think big
1: picture wise, the nuggets have to be sick.
0: Oh yes.
1: About <laughs> what just happened, because that was, that was one of the questions I had about about Denver with how good Jokic and Gordon were playing together, like the way so Jokic and Murray would run pick and rolls and then Gordon either in the dunker spot or cutting off of, off of drives. They looked like a force and throwing up your hands going, how do you cover? How do you cover Mm -hmm. this team? I think the Suns have taken that and I don't think they're, the Suns are necessarily significantly better offensively than the Nuggets, but I think they are better now. And that that was going to be what the Nuggets were hanging their hat on going into the playoffs was, at the end of the day, good luck stopping us. And what we're saying is the Suns are going to be able to say, good luck stopping us. And also, here's our defensive lineup that we can throw at you as well. And and I'm rambling a little bit. The defensive lineup still is going to have Devin
2: Booker and Kevin Durant. Exactly, and that's the that's the caveat there. There's no office defense substitutions needed. Mm-hmm. There's no um, there's no like extra tweaks you need to make to your rotation. You're going to have your best offensive lineup is also going to double as your best defensive lineup, and the continuity within that, uh, as well as the ability to execute multiple schemes depending on who the opponent is or even change up your schemes over the course of the game, It's not going to lose any of its leverage uh, because you have these wide ranging athletes that are going to be able to, uh, especially on the defensive end of the floor, eat up the space on the floor that they need to in terms of um, blocking the passing lanes, but also be able to make the rotations. If Aiden, if a Monty Williams decides to use Aiden closer to the level of the screen, uh depending on who it is that they might be going up against in the playoffs like say Jamal Murray since we're talking about the Nuggets. You don't want to put a necessarily play drop against them because that's going to concede three point opportunities, which obviously he's hunting out. So if you move Aiden up to the level of the screen or at least up to touch, if not completely to the level. Then you got Kevin Durant, who's a seven footer with the wingspan as, as long as <laughs> DeAndre Ayton's. that also specializes in playing the secondary uh, rim protector. Yeah. They can also, that's also more than willing to not just go and contest with verticality, but he's willing to sacrifice his Actually, body yeah. and take a charge. So like he does all these little things on top of the wingspan and on top of the athleticism and the anticipatory skill that's needed as a low man to just make these rotations. And then you add Devin Booker to the mix where if he's tagging, he's more than athletic enough to tag and recover and close out without being blown by. And they never lose their defensive shell is what I, is what I have in mind. And if you're not losing your defensive shell and you're continuously flattening out opposing offenses, and then you're coming down court and blitzing teams with all types of scoring, (laughs) like what are you, what are you going to do? And then uh, to Ethan's point, when talking about how do you guard this team, that's something else that came to mind for me because, like, when you're looking at it, you can't trap Devin Booker, like you said. You can't trap Kevin Durant. You also can't trap Chris Paul. But in the event that you do feel like that's the best scheme to use against them at any given moment, guess what? DeAndre Aiden is a much proven uh, short role playmaker. Guess what? If Kevin Durant's screening, Kevin Durant is as elite of a short roll playmaker as you can get that can also score from the mid-range. And also adding that, adding to that, DeAndre Aiden has a soft touch floater that he can get to um, just underneath the free throw line. And he has that at a high efficiency mark as well. So it's like, what do you do with this team? You can't double, you can't play at the level that's gonna concede underneath. Um, you can't trap. Like, what are you gonna do? Just like good luck. Good luck, man. <laughs>
1: and I think I think it's interesting too to think about um, with, as you mentioned, Steven, how big Kevin Durant actually is. You wouldn't want to do something like this the entire game, but the Suns will be able to mix in gimmicky defensive sets as well, mm-hmm. where let's say hypothetically you have Devin Booker guarding Jamal Murray and you have DA on Jokic. If they want to, they can blitz Murray, and as they blitz Murray – you need to bring a secondary defender who's going to get Jokic in the short roll. And that's going to be a dude who's seven foot or seven one. Mm -hmm. Now, again, you don't want Kevin Durant going up against Jokic for the entire game, but that's an opportunity to just mix up the defensive schemes against some of the league's best bigs where you can throw KD out there, not on the block, but at the elbow where hopefully his length will be enough to guard and then you would have you would of course have Booker trying to close out to the opposite wing or opposite corner but those that's the defensive versatility when you add a guy who's rangy and who has shown especially in the playoffs to be a very willing defender as well. Yep. I uh, yeah. I think
0: Kevin Durant might not be I mean obviously he is, but he he's not appreciated in terms of his talent on both sides because I think of the baggage that has Maybe self-inflicted, but come with him, whether that was with the Warriors move, with the Nets debacle. I don't know. I think it's insane. If you look at his stats, even just this season, the insane efficiency he is shooting from everywhere imaginable. And come to find out, maybe he wasn't even that happy with the Nets to begin with. I think he is going to be happy to be here. I think there's going to be some like Team USA Olympic vibes, where it's just like we are exceptional basketball minds, basketball people, and what is it, sicko? Is that the the JJ Redick phrase? Like mm-hmm. those those are three sickos who legitimately, I don't, I assume they sleep, but probably listening to film somehow. Like it's gonna be insane. And it, I don't know. It just gets me, it gets me excited. I want to watch the first game with Kevin Durant so that I can put away the little lingering, like, Mikhail, I'm going to miss you thoughts and just say, this is the team we have. This is the future. This is what it looks like. And KD's locked up for another three years, which I guess I also have to caveat. What does that mean these days? Right. (laughs) Kevin Durant, Nets fans were probably like, we've got him locked up for four last year and we see how things turn out. But I mean, it's,
1: it's a pretty I, exciting time. Suns fans just need to remember that when Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, they got mollywopped in their first game by the Spurs. So one game, one game's not going to make a difference. So uh, hold off on your. I wish we had McHale instead until uh, until the <laughs> hey, playoffs. Our fans East.
0: were asking to tank about three weeks ago. So <laughs> yeah, let's, not, let's not let's not have too high, high of expectations here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're we're getting close to this hour mark. I wanted to. End with a question that came in through the comments from Josh. Uh, And Stephen, I wanted to say also in the comments, we have the person usually on the bottom of the triangle, Ryan, giving you some love as well for joining us. So, again, wanted to thank you for being a part of this. We've got Josh's question that I think is a phenomenal one Does this move make the Suns a finals or bust situation this year? And I think you can kind of say moving forward as well, right? These teams that Make decisions to say this, if the outcome is not holding the trophy, the mission is not accomplished. Now, Stephen, I'll let you take it first. Is it finals or bust for the Suns, given the moves they've made?
2: Well, I mean, you don't you don't you don't have a new owner rush and expedite the process. Uh, while purchasing a four billion dollar franchise and you also don't you also don't have that same owner flip from going to his introductory press conference to adding a top three level talent within 12 hours of his first shift without having the aspirations of winning a championship of mine so i don't personally like the finals or bust uh mindset just because i feel like if you're a true competitor it's gonna be that way naturally and if you have to add like an added to it then you're probably not, you're probably not doing it the right way, <laughs> so. But yes, to answer the question directly, is definitely Finals a bust? It's just so many. Like you just gave you just gave up a majority of your youthful talent that you've invested in in terms of internal development, um, and you even invested financially into Mikael Bridges. Um, and then that's also a big part of your team chemistry and your continuity, mm-hmm. which was one of the biggest weapons that you had to go up against any team in the NBA. Um, so investing all of this into Attending Kevin Durant, and of course we don't want to forget about T.J. T.J. Warren as well as uh, Darius. It only
0: it only <laughs> took us an hour and three minutes to get to those two. On my, I had on my notes of like, should I mention T.J. Warren? He is a scorer that can help the bench, but no one's no one's tuning in for that conversation. But no, you're
2: you're you're good for sure. Yeah, you don't make these you don't make these investments and transactions happen in a manner in which they've come about. Without having aspirations of winning, so yes, it's definitely a championship or bust for the Suns. Philip, what are you thinking? I'll start with this. All year long,
1: I've said I, I did not believe that the Suns were actually contenders. I think they are now.
0: What was the one thing we literally said week after week? What were they missing, Philip? Another star, another star. Like we said that from, I think it was our first episode of the season when we were having to rank the players. It was top to bottom. Yes, this looks good. Yes. This looks like a team that did go to the finals and yes, they've grown and gotten better, but the whole time it was, there is something missing. We don't quite know how to get there, but it has happened.
1: And it's especially relevant for the playoffs. Part of, part of the dive I did today into KD's time with the Warriors and how he fit offensively, which we talked early about if you're, uh, if you're joining us a little late on YouTube, he mentioned, I think it was in that Draymond interview, that you can run systems, but at some point in the playoffs, the opposing team is going to be yeah. too familiar with the system, and mm-hmm. it's just going to come down to best on best, best defender, best scorer let's see who makes the play and that's where Kevin Durant is almost an incalculable upgrade over guys like Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson again at the risk of sounding redundant I love those two watching them play within the Sun system is a joy the last couple games like especially in the second half Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges they had It felt like they had a bunch of steals. It was only two or three, but it was just at timely moments. They knew exactly where to be. But then when you get to the playoffs, when you get to the conference finals, when you get to the NBA finals, you have to have stars. Jason Tatum last year, as good as he was, he got outdueled because there was a superstar on the other team in the NBA finals. Now, the Suns have unquestionably a superstar in Kevin Durant. And they have someone in Devin Booker who has the ability to play up to that level. That's, that's about all you need to know. They've invested in two guys with the ability to be the best player on the court in the NBA finals. So is it fine win the finals or bust? In a sense, yes, with the caveat that stuff happens in the NBA and these sorts of things aren't linear.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think that question, I think you can look at kind of the, the root of it being they leveraged their future in some ways. Yeah. You've traded these two guys who were both, I think, 26 and younger. I don't think Cam had a, turned 27 yet. So 26, 25 or younger, along with four first round picks. Like that is hefty. And going back to a point Philip made earlier, you gave Jay Crowder away, essentially because mm-hmm. the nets immediately just grabbed him and turned it for more. So you leveraged your future in terms of tangible assets. You gave up what was a foundational piece just 2 years ago and then you gave 4 years of first round picks. That is Stephen's point. A new owner walking in and saying, "Let me show you what I can do." And Woj's article I thought was phenomenal. Uh I think he went as in-depth as he's allowed to and kind of saying Ishbia was having these conversations about trying to get something with KD. And the immediate thing that the Suns said is that Mikael Bridges doesn't need to get involved. And that was a immediate non-negotiable for the Nets. And so they went back and forth. It didn't work out. And the Suns took a step back. They said they had pivoted to a John Collins related trade. And before moving forward, again, Woj is a storyteller here. He basically said Ishbia wanted one last run at it. So he called up Brooklyn throughout the offer and they kind of pinged back and forth. The holdup, funny enough, was that the Nets didn't want to take Dario Saric as kind of empty money. They wanted a Jay Crowder who they could flip for assets. And they said once they got kind of the skeleton and the bare bones of it, they're like, it was about done. Like the owner wanted to come in and prove that the Phoenix Suns could be a team to go win a title, something they've never done. And I think he wants to be the guy that comes in and gets that because my goodness, that man, if, if he does that, he is going to be loved in Phoenix for a very long time. As long as he doesn't do stupid stuff, like put goats in a GM's office or be a terrible human being. (laughs) And I feel confident that he can go about his life without doing either of those two things. We shall see Uh, guys bringing this thing to a close. Any last remarks, whether that's love for Cam and McHale, whether that's something you're excited to see, whether that's a weird takeaway about Dario getting traded and all that good stuff. uh, Steven, I'll let you take this one first. What do you want to leave the folks with?
2: Uh, Well, first, I definitely wanted to shout out the Twins because you talk about consummate professionals and just doing the little things. Like those two players have always suggested that they could punch out of the role that the Suns had them in to be as conducive to winning as they could be. So credit to them for doing that. And I hope they really go on floors, whether they continue their careers in Brooklyn or past this season, take their talents elsewhere. Uh, I wanted to kind of zoom in a little bit on the Suns offense with Kevin Durant and just mention that the juice that they're about to receive in their three-player actions, whether that's like dribble handoff flowing into ball screens, vice versa, or their Spain pick-and-roll or roll-and-replace type plays, it's going to be unbelievable because, like we talked about with the schemes, there's nothing you can really do uh, sufficiently, at least, (laughs) to stop them. So the fact that they can put you in these compromising situations over the course of games and dictate it based off of what the matchups are looking like, it's just going to be basketball heaven to take in and then to dive into and analyze and just kind of zoom in on the the finer things of it. Um, And yeah, I'm just just excited. And I'm also excited to see what Chris Paul is going to do having not just one elite scorer with him, but two, because like I mentioned in the opening, he's one of the best playmakers of all time. He's also one of the most cere- cerebral uh basketball players to ever grace the hardwood. So having these type of tools at his disposal, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be unbelievable, man. And I'm excited to see it.
0: That was actually you kind of ended with with what I wanted to say as my last point. I'm curious to see what this does for Chris Paul's career as he kind of goes towards whatever that end may be. Uh I was bummed seeing the initial reports of the we're trying to move off Chris Paul for a Rozier, Van Vliet, whatever, whatever. Like, I want to see Chris Paul get it. Like, after cheering for Steve Nash and watching this incredible point guard operate on such an insane level not get to the finish line, I want that for Chris Paul. I want it to happen here. I think he's been a huge part in elevating the team to where they're at. And I think there's a chance that this could add some longevity to his productive nature within the league and within this team, because I think he is going to shine being surrounded with the talent that he has not had with him to this level in quite some time. So I'm excited for
1: him. I'm excited for the rest of the team. Philip, what you got for us? Good, sir. I was thinking about this and it, it might sound like an overstatement, but Mikhail Bridges is the kind of employee co-worker friend person it seems like you just want to be around and it seems like Kim johnson has a lot of that as well he went about his business he obviously worked hard he obviously was improving in his profession but he went about it with such a vibrant joy And in, in my job, I know the people who can find joy in what they are doing while they're working hard, while they're getting better at their craft, like those are the best people to be around. So again, it is a loss for the sons. I think for, like we said, it's not just vibes, like it's the community around the sons that, that is a loss. But I also think the, the trajectory of, of the podcast that we just did and that you're still listening to is probably the best way to think through what the Suns just went through. We started at a pretty low point thinking about how good the twins are basketball wise. And for the community, we honored what they did, talked them up, gave them their flowers. And then we started trending into this more hopeful discussion about what is it going to look like when Kevin Durant comes here? And I think that's a good process to go through like yeah recognize recognize that something's going to be missing especially until katie gets back from this mm-hmm. injury but there is something really exciting around the corner for suns fans and it's going to be a joy to uh, document it with this at least with this youtube channel hey <laughs> who knows where the podcast
0: going to yeah, be yeah. but the youtube channel will be right here and Brightside will be still getting that beautiful written art from man Steven and so many others who are still on that grind, writing exciting pieces about horribly boring games <laughs> against the human Q-tip, Trey Young himself. Uh, gentlemen, this has been a lot of fun. It was a good therapy session for me. Last night, I DM Steven at like one in the morning, like, all my friends are asleep. How are you doing right now? Because I had to talk to somebody. <laughs> Cause I was struck like everything we've talked about and kind of fleshed out was like happening all at once. And mm-hmm. it's been good to talk this through. Uh, Steven, let the folks know where they can find your stuff, man. Anything else you want to plug other than that bright side writing? I know you've got a lot of stuff outside of just Suns as well.
2: Yeah. So I do of course, writing about the sons, um, if honestly, if you just follow me on Twitter, you'll see a lot of my stuff. I'm always posting something basketball related. Uh I do a lot of stuff with the WNBA as well, specifically with the Chicago Sky, but generally with the WNBA as well. Uh, of course, that comes after the NBA season is um is done and everything. But but yeah, film sessions, um, just kind of zooming in on little things, player characteristics, all of that fun stuff. Um, if it's basketball, it is me. <laughs> so, yeah, shoot me a follow. Uh, if you want to talk hoop, I definitely talk hoop with anybody that's willing to speak about it from a transparent perspective. And, uh, yeah, let's continue to learn about this great game that we're we're blessed to be able to see on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm.
0: I love it. And and I'll go ahead and embarrass Steven here. Well, I'd never even talked to the guy. I found his stuff. I went deep diving through all his old tweets. And this was October. And I messaged the guy saying, I just scrolled through lots of your stuff and I love the way you talk about the game. Thank you for your hard work. He is putting in the hours, NBA, WNBA, hoops in general. Philip talks about it all the time. The more you know about the game, the more you can appreciate the game and the more you'll come to love the game. That is what we're about here. And hopefully you all who have been listening and watching are enjoying it. So again, thank you to Steven for joining us. Philip, I know you have one more thing you need to say before I bring it to a close. Go son." For Steven and Philip and Ryan who couldn't be with us, I am Ethan Shutt. This is Into the Valley of Phoenix Suns podcast. We out.